it's Yobcast for May 14th, 2018. Featuring poet Natalie Eilbert leading our workshop and kicking off the open mic. I am your host and MC once again, Jason Koo. The Brooklyn Poets Yop is a monthly poetry workshop and open mic held at 61 Local in Cobble Hill. That's at 61 Bergen Street, off Smith Street, near the Bergen Street FG stop. For more info, go to brooklynpoets.org. This month's open mic lineup featured Patrick Johnson, Ellen Rittberg, Phil Eggers, Creighton Blinn, Julia Knobloch, Alan Braverman, Samantha Dettilio, Janine Serendolo, Nikki Ritchie, Rochelle Voiles, Judy Schneier, Hassan Karimi, Bill Livingston, Timothy Gerber-Fleury, Kelly Ginn McGarter, Arthur Russell, Emily Blair, Helen Hutner, Nicole Neria, and Beatrice Kay. So, without further ado, as I like to say, let's get right to the action. The Brooklyn Poets Yop open mic for May. Enjoy. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to get started. I love the energy in the house. Thank you for not only being patient and flexible, but less uptight than me. Less uptight uh, than I. Is that? <laughs> now, who's really uptight? Let's ask that question. That w- I baited you there. I don't think you realize that. <laughs> I feel so smart right now. Uh, this is the Broken Poets Yop Open Mic. If you're standing in the back, there are a couple of seats, I think, randomly spread here and there, or you could just stand in the back. Uh, just be careful with that railing. George, don't like, lean back and die. <laughs> Dying would be a bad look <laughs> for all of us, and especially bad for you, George, but I'm glad you moved. Um, we are starting later than usual. If you got here at 8 and are wondering why the hell we're just starting now at 8.55, we had uh, a little bit of a crisis, but we got started later and uh, had a great workshop. Now we are ready to do the open mic. Everything will just proceed as normal. Uh, if anyone is on the main lineup with a reserve spot that needs to go, uh, like in the next half hour or something, like we would usually end around 9.35, 9.40, uh, just raise your hand right now besides Alan, who already told me about it. Anyone need to go earlier? I can just move you up. No? Okay, well then I'll just assume that you're all good. Uh, So the way the open mic works is every poet gets one poem, three minutes max. Please be conscious of your time. We have people on the wait list that would love to read. We also record the open mic as a podcast, so we like to keep it moving along, get as many poets up here as possible. Uh, If you do that thing where you read a poem that's like actually like six or seven minutes, like you think no one's going to notice, we all notice, right? So... No one's going to say anything, <laughs> especially if it's a good poem. Every now and then someone does that. It's, like, really good. We kind of just appreciate it anyway. But, uh, you know, we do notice. So uh, maybe the people that are reading anyway are cool with it, but the people that are on that wait list, like number five on the wait list, they're, like, hate on you. So, uh, you know, try not to be that person. Um, if you don't want to be in the podcast for any reason, just let me know. I can take you off the podcast, no problem. We also vote for poem of the month every month. Um, And at the end of the year, all 12 winners from the past year compete for Poem of the Year honors, which comes with 
cash money and some of these amazing t-shirts. You also win one of those. Get a membership. You really get a lot of a lot of uh, perks with uh, the end of the Poem of the Year awards. So if you win Poem of the Month, you get free admission and you get entered into that contest. So the way that we vote is by audience vote. We just do it by text message. So I'm going to give you my number for the first time. If you don't have it, I'll repeat it throughout the night. So if you want to write this down or punch into your phone right now, get ready with your digits, your prestidigitation. It's not really what it means, but uh, let's just pretend that's what that means. What are you writing down, Arthur? Just doodling? <laughs> <laughs> the number to vote for Poem of the Month is 718-374-1953. 718-374-1953. I recently had a text messaging crisis. Some of you may have saw that on Facebook. So, sorry, some of you may have seen that on Facebook where uh, my phone was deleting all my text messages, but uh, I restored my phone to its factory setting, and now all hopefully is well, and the vote will, will not be erased. Yes, 718, area code 374. She's like, I got that, don't worry. 374-1953. I will repeat this a few more times. Um, I think that is all, yes? All right, so before we begin the open mic proper, we're going to hear from our uh, feature reader, who is our workshop professor. Give it up for Natalie Eilbert. Hey, everyone. Um, is this? Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm wearing my flats today, so I'm only 5'6". Um, so I'm going to read one poem. My... I, I, I recently returned to form, which is why I'm teaching a class about breaking it. Um, that being said, I wrote this past April, I wrote a Sistina, and a really great game to play if, you, if you're interested is get a bunch of poets together and ask each of them to try to explain the Sistina in a minute. Nobody can do it. It starts out well enough, but it's complicated. There, you only need to know there are six words that repeat over and over again in a very formulized way, and it all ends after six sestets on a tercet in which all six of those chosen words that you regretted choosing in the first place are then repeated like this horrible flashback. Um, so with that in mind, I was just in New Mexico and I went to see the Tent Rocks, which are fantastic, highly recommend, and they also go by the Kashukatu, and they are featured in this poem called Alpenglow, and Alpenglow is the experience, this is something that New Yorkers don't have, we, <laughs> mountains, first of all, uh, in which at, at sunset the, there's a pink glow from the mountains that is incredible and it makes you want to believe in all sorts of things and then you return to New York and then you're back where you were. Alpenglow. I am a sorry excuse for an animal. I move when I am hungry inside a screen. I am weak and loved and will not survive. I tire of the I, but never want you to forget me. 
I begin every sentence, a stent in my throat. I pressed my hand to a pumice rock in the Kashukatu and made a wish. And because, yes, in this crease of thought, pleasured a bullet through the brain of a redacted figure, I conducted dark magic to ruin the brain that keeps us, to keep us. I watched a gray bird perch hungry. I watched a gray bird with a single peach wing feed another, yes, gray bird with a single peach wing. I sang along to the radio. I sang sticks and poison and some 41, the phantasms of pumice in the throat, the lyrics curled dumbly in the brain. With every good intention, I breathed when my hands were pressed. Every breath delivered in the kashukatu, I considered the brain an index of sonnets, madness untapped like a tuft in pumice, an index of sonnets, oh, I'm sorry, a tuft in pumice, a sculpture that begins in clay and ends bronzed, hungry to expel its design. I expel a supervolcano from me, and I close my eyes to the ash-coated jawbone of an elk. Yes, blasted from an elk. Caldera disturbed from crude drilling. Yes, the reports that might blink momentarily, that because every drill spent mining for oil caused early signs of eruption, I knew from a disturbed, volatile crust. I sing manana, brain craving the search for a five-star brunch spot, so damn hungry to find exactly what I'm looking for. My beautiful day in pumice and ash and tough, my beautiful, perfect day laid out in pumice and a healthy sweat when I pressed my hands across it, yes, to offer a wish and conduct my dark magic. I was so damn hungry to get exactly what I wished for. The phones would chirp. Every phone would tell of the early signs of apocalypse, and the brain would go into flight or fight, exhaust the body, sure to die. I pressed my hand to the pumice, convinced I could save us. I am a sorry excuse for an animal. I move with vigor along pumice, grasping for the striations that hurt the rock into beauty, brain the worship into blood, thumping in the ears, my heart racing, yes, like I am fleeing the supervolcano to no avail. My God, my every bird and deer and elk and cactus singing into to eternal hunger. What I hunger to tell you this whole time, it's that I crossed the ever border into New Mexico. I saw pumice and a herd, yes, of elk facing sunsets. My splendor could kill a man. Thanks. Thank you, Natalie. Pumice, brave choice for an N-word. Yes, that was one of the six, yes. <laughs> pumice. Yeah, well done, though, with pumice. 
Uh, our first reader off the open mic is Patrick Johnson. Give it up for Patrick. Hi. Uh, I'm tall. Thank you. <laughs> yes, I'm about tall. Okay. Uh, obviously, everyone has really pretty nice journals to write their stuff, but I'm a garbage human being, so I just wrote in the back of a flyer they gave me. All right. <clears throat> this poem is called Her Last Battle Cry. I see the creeping vines scale firescape giants and baby trees crack through their pavement overlords. I hear the shuddering bloom of wildflowers sneak past sprawled skyscraper tombs, reaping slain troops like ghosts. I smell honeysuckle, cherry blossoms, their scents kamikazing down the stale stench of smokestacks. I root for the shoots and leaves, anything green, the photosynthetic underdogs declaring their right to be. But I know she'll lose. Resistance and time will fail to deter cold humanity. Once a singing muse, but now slick with grime, her voice just whispers to urbanity. Each eroded edifice, every acid rain kiss, installed ziggurat or train track rat is her last battle cry. Your restless delusions and ineffable ennui are the creature inside, nature trying to break free. Thank you, Patrick. Well done. Uh, our next reader is an old friend of ours. Give it up for Ellen Rittberg. I recently took a master class with Tayimba Jess, who won the Pulitzer Prize in 2017. If you have a chance to take a, a class with him, do. It's wonderful. I think he said titles are important, but he, if he didn't, he said other things that were very important. <laughs> The leave-taking. Wives have choices when nuzzled, nosed into by rapid heat-detecting aircraft while asleep. Small wonder to accede is less choice, more last-ditch option. The non-sleeping giant enters, and one does what one will with contumacity and becomes good at the getting over with. A mechanical street sweeping of sorts. <laughs> short of being forcible, but short of being fully consensual, there should be a phrase, or perhaps is, sleep interruptus or a hashtag, while being thrust out of, rousted from, billowy somnolence and having only through protestations, imprecations, or giving in, thus ending the offending maneuver, is it correct when one effects a demurral to chalk it up as victory, or to ask, are women ever truly safe? When tossing anchor, no. There may be rancor, confusion, his. A belief not couched in logic or experience that 
even if there was more than half a lifetime or any portion or combination thereof of shared space, bed, children, sundry, although seldom non-bodily forms of connubialness, he may consider it all nothing less than grand scam. The evacuation often is swift, stealthy, if at all possible, aided by others. Economic circumstance notwithstanding, where else to go but moms, the ancestral home, and there is a conclusiveness, an at-one-withness, and dang, it feels good in the bones, marrow, gristle, to be oxygen-breathing. Thank you, Ellen. Damn good. How's everyone doing? It's a great crowd. I turn in my grades today. I'm feeling fucking great. I don't know about you. I'm getting married this summer. This is my wife-to-be in the back. Let's give her a round of applause. Look at that. Look at that hot lady. You are not. <laughs> I didn't mean that in a mean way. Just, just saying facts, you know. I mean, I could invite you. Just, just cost a thousand dollars to go to Brazil to see the, see the wedding. It's not. I mean, I ain't cheap, you know. <laughs> you want to party with me? You got to pay up. One of my friends told me recently. He's like, man, it's expensive to be your friend. Gotta go to Brazil, bachelor parties in New Orleans. What the fuck? Our, <laughs> our next poet of the evening is Phil Eggers. Get up for Phil. A shoebox stuffed with mementos that mean nothing to everyone but you. <laughs> Hugs, lingering, kisses, longing, slaps, the soul taking a battering ram to the flesh, screams, cortexes lighting up, the color blue, rhapsody in blue, set latitude and longitude shown throughout the millennium, single point perspective, symmetry, asymmetry, a collage of establishing shots, an homage of establishing shots, the way a bird moves its head, the way a woman moves her body, the way a man falls, Diane Keaton, <laughs> the color of ocean and sky at sunset, seagulls floating, elongated shadows, cigarettes smoldering in shadows, snowfall in the form of ashes, fingers tracing scars, lips, your lips, slumped over a desk, slumped over a picnic table, slumped over a subway seat, Coney Island, wind on grass, acid flashbacks, a tea kettle, a gunshot, a long shot of complete stillness, stillness, a box fan, stillness. Thank you. Thank you, Phil. I appreciate that Diane Keaton moment. 
Uh, I was driving the other day. I saw like an ad or something saying like uh, that near the Queensboro Bridge that the uh, I guess it was like a direction to where the shot from Manhattan was taken. And I was like, wow, it really is 2018 now. <laughs> I almost drove there. Uh, our next poet is Creighton Blinn. Give it up for Creighton. Hi. Legacy. I don't wish to commemorate a plaster saint, properly poised and enshrined as a perfect example of infinite patience and compassion, which is not to deny her these qualities. Her readiness to guide and support was obvious from the way in which she treated others. Still, charity is not limitless. At times it fails. At times, bitterness does overwhelm empathy, a reminder, after all, that we are merely human, laboring under unrealistic expectations. I wish to recall all her beauty, her charming quirks, the glow of her smile, the exuberance with which she could embrace life, eagerly devouring its pleasures, even the small ones, of sharing Sunday mornings, paper, and breakfast. Not every experience, however, is going to be amazing or transcendent. Lasting beauty isn't found in perfection, but in the cracks. In the end, we were only a man and a woman who, despite being compatible in countless ways, still had to struggle with all the typical grievances, petty or otherwise, which plague so many couples. Regardless, she remains my dearest comrade. Thank you. Thank you, Creighton. Was that a poem from my wedding? <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. Our next poet of the evening is a former wimmer, ooh, a wimmer, a former winner. <laughs> of Yop Poem of the Year. Give it up for Julia Knobloch. In the Orchard. I say my blessings in the orchard. I have turned over the soil. I give with dubious hands. The intention does not count. We remain a forbidden junction, peaches and almonds. I have only been here four years, and you, since Abraham... You want a vessel for your seeds. I was not barren all my life. Hearts beat in my womb. Soon I will lie fallow. I smell sycamores and dusky air, wine and laughter. The trees must be blocked for three years. Everywhere and for all times the first fruits belong to God. But the year of holiness ends tonight and we may eat. Where are you? Thank you. Thank you, Julia. Damn good as always. Our next reader has been moved up because he needs to depart very soon. Give it up for Alan Braverman. Yeah, my wife calls and beckons me. And <laughs> I want to save a marriage, so I'm, I have to 
Are you going to pick me up? I am going to pick you up. Okay. Uh, good evening to all my fellow poets at this uh, wonderful venue. My poem this evening is simply titled A World in Transition, Exploring the Present and Beyond Within a Poetic Realm. As we gather in the solemnity of the moment to ascertain the future within the context of our realm, still the seasons change without reason. With spring to propagate the blossoming of our flora or the resurrection of poetry beyond the confines of rhyme or rhythm, where flowers and words can germinate, transcending divine intervention, casting shadows in contrast to the spectrum, illuminated by a rainbow of colors emanating from a component of light as poems are born in the mindset of its creator, when nature can be reduced to a sonnet. Though our real world, beyond urban blight, can still exist, forests and fields of edible crops will manage to survive, though the climate is in transition, and the poems of hope can radiate among the deniers. So our lust for oil and natural gas and the damaging pension for fracking will hopefully be replaced by a planet of nature lovers, planting seeds of change for consumption. And the visual world will radiate with flowers, trees, fruits, and vegetation that can enrich our lives, while the poet can capture the essence of, the, of nature that can endure beyond words and its symbolism. Thank you. Thank you, Alan. Hope your wife appreciates <laughs> you getting home in time. <laughs> Don't be offended when Alan leaves. All right. He's got priorities. Our next poet just became a Broken Poets member, which you too could do with just a little of your hard-earned cash. Give it up for Samantha Dottilio. Yes. Oh. I've lost my poem, but I can read you the menu for Clementine Bakery. <laughs> <laughs> That's my new title. <laughs> Screams climb from my mouth, pulling themselves up with ropes and picks, from behind teeth smooth as glaciers, like invaders crossing a sentry line. Words spew in brittle shards, flung like hail. They splinter in midair and shatter as they hit you. I am instantly remorseful. For those I treat well are those who most of all harm me. In the dark, I shape bricks from clay out of the earth, bound with my blood, a sacrifice of repentance. I enclose myself. An anchoress sealed away and delivered from my tongue. It is always winter here, and I am always tired. My bitterness is poison seeping into you like groundwater under a nuclear power plant. My body is a Superfund site, devoid of life, 
The silence is consuming. If I look, I can see you, lost, alone in the darkness, unreachable. Your cries hit me with the precision of weaponized love. My brutality is rubbing off on you. I am so sorry. I am so sorry. I am so sorry. Magnolia blossoms litter the sidewalk like corpses. Their silken petals crushed underfoot. Blood stains the concrete around their decomposing bodies. And as I look for us there, the birds laugh at me. Thank you. Damn, I was not expecting that ending. Good stuff. Okay, just to recap, uh, you know, if you want to make notes for Poem of the Month, that was Samantha Dottilio. Before that was Alan Braverman. Julia Knobloch, Creighton Blinn, Phil Eggers, Ellen Rittberg, and Patrick Johnson. So we've had seven readers so far. Our next reader is, I, I believe, a, a Yop debuter. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Is it Sirendolo? Give it up for Janine Sirendolo. to be here. I'm actually moving to Colorado in a couple weeks after seven years in New York. Um, but this was on my bucket list, so I'm really excited to be able to take it off the computer. And Thank you. This poem is called Dryer Lint and Eternity. Here before you, not sure what might unfold. Like always, each moment, each tale is untold. Time stands still, but the hourglass rolls. Sometimes I'm partial, but mostly I'm whole, unless I play shy and thus sell my soul. It's time to shine. No hiding, only rhyme. It's all about the flow. Yo, gotta let loose what you got and relinquish the hold. Gotta dare, gotta care enough to grow, so you're gonna shoot up fast or take it slow. I know who you are when you try to play small. I know who you are when you don't feel at all. I know who you are when you left because I'm right. Don't know who you are when you're out of my sight. So be big or be small, not a phantom or goal, just a stringy human being, a not-know-it-all. I tried to be cool, yet we're all meant to fall. Else how would we realize where the roots are without leaves who can see where the shoots are? Yo, four plus five doesn't make any sense. One mistake, an eternal recompense. I can't add, can't multiply, but I love the lashes on your eye. You think it's about someone, but it really it's about you. Be sane, be s but not sane. Same. To the to your own heart be true. Later, boo. All right, we knew that was cheesy, a breezy cop-out. Can you really just follow anything you can swallow, or do you let this world digest you too? Maybe I'm shaking, afraid of a hiss or a boo. Maybe I'm pink or maybe I'm blue. If you come home with tomatoes all over you, she said, I'll know why. And here we return to eternity, or we can just sit and sip a turn of tea. Do you melt or yelp or spin and ask for help when each letter and number after your name doesn't give you meaning or fame? We let the little things define us, undermine us, remind us, and isn't it about the little things, my by and large friend? Let's come together to bend and blend. The sign is if you're nodding your your head or scratching your nose or maybe it doesn't matter so long as your curiosity rose so that's it and that's all I can say lots of words we can make a loud call but all it's about is if after 1.5 minutes or seconds or none we connected with any or all like one 
Like one, like the one, that bigger picture guy. He can live in your pocket or live in the sky. When asked about immortality, they said many things. Some like a diamond, some like a ring on this earth, all of us sitting around like kings. But even the queen bows down to her maker. Even the fruit doesn't fear the earthquake or the blender, the shaker. Those Egyptian guys took our bodies down in a float, down to the river to look for a moat to the next life. The one that will console all the disaster in your face, saved by an image of a higher place. Let's go, it's a race from here to there. Not so good to must be better after all of these years, when will we be unfettered? Leave a shred of yourself in the house that you're living in and it might burst on fire. Lose a drop of hope and your soul might expire. Tell me about forever and I might call you a liar, but mostly I'll appreciate the residue, like the lint from my dryer. Well done. Sorry you're leaving us. Sorry you're leaving us. It's better late than never, though. Also was not... Yeah, you can listen to the opcast. I also was not expecting that lint from the dryer at the end. That was, that was great. And be sane but not sane, right? Good advice. I tweeted that out, just so you know. Hash, hashtag Brooklyn Poets Yop, everyone. I know you're all waiting for that hashtag. I'm so sick of, I'm so sick of Twitter. I still use it, but I'm so sick of it. Who's sick of Twitter in here? Like, oh my God, who invented that stupid shit? Oh my God, it's just... Anyway. <laughs> Next up, sorry to create such bad energy before you come up here, but uh, give it up for, I think, another Yop debuter, Nikki Ritchie. I haven't read in front of actual human people in a few years. Oh, we're not. Okay. Because, like, normally it's just the pigeon on my windowsill, and he is, like, so excited I left the apartment. Um, so, on to other uh, New York animals. <clears throat> I'm going to read you a short poem called Subway Rat. Subway Rat. Blood thickens between my legs as I step off the train, stand in the damp duplicity of relief and disappointment. Subways, like my subconscious, steeped in darkness, layered in grime. To scrape them clean would take too many years. A thought snapped by the jostle of people. Tonight, I am unfitting in expectations, unsure of how to step next. I could be better bolder, a wife, a mother, alone. But I am in love with the city street. I scurry up from the subway along 71st into a life I was told I could not choose for myself. This is what I was warned would happen if I wasn't careful. If I sat on tabletops swinging my legs or spoke too loudly, this is what life would thrust on me if I didn't smile and convince a man to thrust me instead. But in my apartment of unhung pictures, I find sleep in an unmade bed. This is my own. The streets, the subways, and the searing insecurity. The thickening sense of belonging to no one. Thank you.
Sorry, I just had to type that down. <laughs> that was so good. The streets, the subways, and the searing insecurity. Oh, my God. Just killed me. Uh, wow. Thank you for that. Uh, that was beautiful. Our next is Rochelle Voiles here. Okay, she is here. I don't see a check mark, but you do exist in the room. Give it up for Rochelle Voiles. I'm also short. Thank you. Hi. I don't have a title for this poem. <laughs> I want you to be excited about existing. This back of the sailboat keel hauling isn't for you. How many nightmares can we eat before the tapeworms of these terrors eviscerate our once firm constitutions, eradicate our collected selves, leaving them buckled and crumpled near the back door? At 1 a.m., nostalgia and regret congeal, weaseling into our comforters, wrapping around toes and fingertips an inky thing slinking, fueled by exhaustion and the needs of an overactive mind, desperate for room to search after hours of compression. You're as etched with that soulful yearning for peace as you were when I met you, your chest shaped by the labors of hopefulness, caved in despondent places, a testament of mind shaping muscle and bone, a premeditated zombie suit of self-made design twisted into a funhouse infinity loop of chicken versus egg, of money versus passion, of dreams versus cold, harsh reality, versus financial obligation, versus scraping by, versus living well, versus living just okay. And here in this apartment, you'll make it. You'll tie your shoes on in the morning. I'll kiss you and I'll tell you it's going to be okay. And then we'll move to a different one. We'll assimilate into a different section of city society, melt into the crisp toast surface of another life we attempt to shape patiently. And I'll remind you to ease in with tolerance. I'll hold your hands over rough, misshapen horrors and you will sculpt. You can, I can always tell when it's going well when the poems seem to speak to each other, right? Those last two were almost singing to each other. I like it when it's like, yeah, mm, yeah. <laughs> I like the, the poet murmur. It's my favorite thing. Uh, our next poet just gave a wonderful uh, performance at uh, the Sweet Action Benefit. I was like, what is it called? The Sweet Action Benefit? Uh, a couple days ago, I saw it. Uh, not only did she dance, but she, she had Frankie Martinez in the room, and who was like my, it's like the one person I'm terrified of on this earth <laughs> because he's so amazing. But uh, I'll let you tell uh, all of you all about it. I don't know, know what the fuck I'm saying. Give it up for Judy Schneier. Well, Jason, you must have remembered that I told you I was going to read a poem about Frankie. <laughs> so here we go. It's called Hold On. <clears throat> he juices out each step, finding several moves inside. A wave goes through him every time he puts his foot down. A counter twist with shoulder lift, barely seen, a prep, setting the next step. 
in context, like words. Like a poem, he manipulates the phrase with little shifts, reversals, directional change. See the rhythm repeat? No, don't stare at his feet. It's the switch in his hips, the dip of his chest. It's a downward roll inside the rumba step that makes me feel so white, so Jewish. <laughs> Ballet shapes from different times dominate my neurons, showing off my line, which interrupts the Latin flow, the thrust, the heavy tap, that bit of weight that falls and bounces back. Quick silvery, it slips my eyes, too quick to try and analyze the phrase, until he deconstructs, clarifies each pump and chuck extracted from an endless running stream of moving stuff. This step is like a bicycle. It steps and falls away. This one's an inhalation, as if you lost your keys. Then drop the weight and let the knees respond to the release. Then the theme repeats. Broken down, it's so complex. But look at him. It falls like breath and circles in again. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Did you show that to him? Yeah. <laughs> you afraid to? <laughs> you guys know Frankie Martinez? He's, uh, I mean, to call him like a salsa dancer and teacher is, seems limiting. He's like a dance genius. Uh, if you ever want to learn salsa, I recommend him, but be brave. <laughs> it's not easy. It's tough to do. Um, anyway. On to our next reader. I think it's a, another Yop debuter. Uh, hopefully I get this name. Is it Hassan Karimi? All right. Give it up for Hassan Karimi, everyone. All right. This one is called Revolutionary Act. Yellow tape stretched between trees, barricading my apartment streets. An infraction's fleeting fossil, but in the breaching of whom? Grappling with this curious angst at 7 a.m. of the cautionary tape seen through my room. Boil, grind, drip, drink. My daily communion with a higher power. Laptop lapsed, my armament of choice, <clears throat> as this angst doesn't slack. So take heed to my voice and rebellious rejoice. In search of a mission, I began with online petitions. Pregnant and in prison, here's my admonition, signed. Horrific animal cruelty, my condolences truly, signed. Air quality in NYC, not giving up my right to breathe, signed. Muhammad and his family are in danger, set them free, you fucking Muslim haters, signed. I am John Hancock, 100 times over. And with coffee still burning, the revolution will keep churning in a leisurely modern vein. Out of my, out of my apartment's comfort, 280 character limit for my next refrain. <laughs> Mr. President, I too prefer fiction and news, so be the fool that builds a wall with a million holes and tunnels through, an idiot's landmark, as timeless as milk. NRA, tout from your pulpit, beat your gavel, loud and proud, the grounds below you are coming down. Alt-right assholes, your white dreams are burning on a road of flaming crosses and tarnished asphalt on a boundless barren pasture. In tirade after tirade, my fingers go through ebbs and flows of highs and lows till the spirit finally passes. 
And now it's time for a change of scene. I take a bus to Red Hook and walk the city's edge. I see a homeless man, gaze fixed on the Brooklyn ferries. His eyes are mad, glowing crystal balls, mesmerizing and scary, pupils sharp as darts, a cumulonimbus sculpture for a beard. <laughs> Deep rugged lines on his face, making it clear, he's what I'm doing here. He reaches out his rugged sage hands towards me. I say, put it down. I'm getting you a job. He doesn't seem pleased. His crazy eyes glared at me while his, lips <laughs> while his lips muttered some gibberish. So I call a creative director I know, tell him I got a writer and he's hungry to work. And just like that, I get Walt Whitman here a job. I bring him back to the apartment to shower. I give him some clothes and tell him his job is in the gallant new tower. A few days later, I'm sitting on the couch with my wife and the creative director is calling my phone. I don't answer. I forgot about my revolution and I just feel embarrassed now. <laughs> so I take a deep gulp of my beer and hit the ignore button. The next morning I wake up to sirens, cautionary tape, and an onslaught of Twitter notifications. I don't have the determination to sustain another revolution. Thank you. So you hate, you hate Twitter now too, right? Yeah. Uh, I like that rhyme in there. I don't know if it was intentional or not. Uh, Alt-right asshole and tarnished asphalt. Nice. Uh, is Isaiah, are you not reading Isaiah? See, the name is crossed out vigorously. No, nobody knows. I was, look, I was looking to test for help, but she's huddled with Adrian. <laughs> I just, then I just wanted to embarrass her. Anyway, we're on to the next reader. <laughs> Give it up for Bill Livingston. Jason's new book is out. It's on the table. Get your copy. I got mine. It's called While Listening to Dexter Gordon. Longing for simpler times when jazz reigned supreme, real instruments were played, live music was the destination, where voices hit that shore, 55 cardioid, like a dream hits a drunkard, and the bebop moved like smoke around long, tall Dexter's horn, taking the torch from Lester Young. Felt with all the senses, not just pixelated on a screen, magnetized on a tape, or even needled into the vinyl, digital referred to your fingers, which longed to caress the keys of sax or piano, or the one to the heart of the woman across the room in the red dress, across that loud, smoky room when smoking was allowed. The clanking of silverware, the nicotine coughs, the sea of furs, fedoras, and fried chicken, a sense of danger and no surveillance. Fingers fondling trumpet valves, bass strings, and drumsticks, while vibrations move through you like a thousand God-driven freight trains, and the harmony of life reached its destination faster than any Pan Am jetliner ever could. Yeah, baby, bring me back. Closing my eyes and opening my ears will never be enough.
you, Bill. You guys like Dester Gordon? That was one. Uh, this side of the room is now dead to me. Don't worry, that happens. <laughs> it's true. It's not personal. I just think you should, you know, find Dexter Gordon on Spotify. Your lives will be better because of it. Uh, is Richard Fine in the house? Negative. Okay, our next reader uh, is not coming to my wedding. This you know already. Give it up for Timothy Gerber Flurry. <laughs> Hi, guys. So my brother and I uh, send each other poems on a regular basis. He writes in French, I write in English. And every time we send something to each other, we send back a a reply or a interpretation of each other's stuff. So this is one of those. This is called Provision after Paul Fleury's Provision. I lost my way when I was young. Uh, sorry, start over. First, I lost my way when I was young. I ran places I thought I, need to, I <clears throat> thought I wanted to be, but these wanderings I needed not. I seem to have found my place now and belonging even just for a moment is all that matters. Humility, realizing we're not much here and then gone, just a glimpse of an existence, a footnote. The sounds of world, echoes in stone, bear more significance than you do. Only are you important in the eyes of those that care about you and for the places you hold in their hearts. Wood breaks. Two. In caves, light is only red, and grass barely grows. But we are safe there, safe to play and to dance and to sing. The light of the fire on the wall guide us, and we succumb to it. We read the signs. Three, rain, rain all you want. I am unfazed, for I know where I am heading to. The hills and the fields are my bed when I need rest. These landscape may be God's own, but it is us who walk among it. Without thinking, my hands are raised like a prayer. Silent and loyal tools, they serve me well, and I worship them. I use them as proxy to a word I long for. Your face, your back, your shoulders, your sex. Look at me, my hands, see what I accomplish with you. Four, my body is a machine, is my body, indifferent to the effort. It goes and goes, remote control, no pain or sprain muscles. My body is a machine. Five, dreams are carried like pets in jacket pockets. In a cabin of all places, I want to wake up next to people I love, brothers and sisters of misfortune who walk with me. In a cabin, I dream again of a simpler world. Yeah. Thank you. You're, up, you're on the wait list now for the wedding. <laughs> Is Bonnie Belay here? No. Okay, our next reader is a f another former winner of Yacht Poem of the Month, I think last year. Give it up for Kelly Ginn McCarter. 
got it. Okay, this is one of my more autobiographical poems, so y'all are gonna get to know me tonight. I took my brain to the cleaners. I took my brain to the cleaners to bleach the dark parts. My thoughts on Tuesdays, on the Ides, on Tuesdays that fall on the Ides. The shit I write, the shit I say, kamikaze on bar floors. I asked you to bleach the black hole of broken shoes, cement the cracks where God has fallen and he can't get up. Pointed to where I spilled a cup of overdraft fees and unfinished antibiotics. I took my brain to the cleaners and advised you to pay careful attention to the extra dark spot, the one that writes and rewrites my death by ice cream truck on 6th Ave. You charged me extra for that. I picked my brain up on a Tuesday and saw it bright under plastic. It's still there, uncrinkled and cumulus beneath its plastic moat. It's still there because of the instructional note you stapled to it. Avoid the following. Puddles, red wine, smoky eyes, TV on true crime, cigarettes, all caps, <laughs> movies with John Cusack, pictures of John Cusack, Uber Eats, Deep Sorrow, Flat Light, downtown local trains, bench imprints on asses, read receipts, ordering a la carte, sweatshirts that don't fit at your hips, acting like a comic strip character, asking me for a refund, not giving me your phone number, not fucking at first encounter, secondhand cocaine, Neil Young's 72 album Harvest, alien sex fantasies, wielding lists as poetry, <laughs> and generally anything outside of the plastic. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well done. What are you writing? <laughs> no, that was good. Uh, that echoes your poem from last year about the you had sex with an alien, right? That was your poem, right? <laughs> I mean, why not? <laughs> it can't make it can't make the poem worse, can it? Right? I don't think so. I mean. <laughs> It's like Yates or something. That might be weird. Yeah. Anyway, are you ready? Are you done writing? Because you're up next. Give it up for Arthur Russell. I asked Lauren if I should read a poem that was um, depressing or one that was about my mother. And she said, what's the difference? <laughs> Just came to me. Um, so this sounds like a New Year's Eve poem, but it's really a, a Mother's Day poem. I'm going to read this one. New Year's Eve. After my brother and I have been washed and put to bed, my mother, dressed, perfumed, jeweled, and high-heeled, would come into our room to wish us a happy New Year. My mom believed in New Year's. You could see it in the way that she stood there backlit by the hall light. She believed in beaded dresses, 
dangly earrings, a sleeve of bracelets, blue eyeshadow, and Shalimar perfume. And going out on a cold night in a warm car with crusty snow, pushed back in a fan shape from the windshield, and headlights making prisms of the streetlights, and arriving by car, and stockinged leg by leg emerging on heels, and teetered reach for a husband's hand. She believed in being seen by the other women arriving, and going into a decorated room, even if you yourself that very afternoon in jeans and dirty sneakers had done the decorating. She believed in drinks and the naughtiness of drinks and saying, oh no, I shouldn't. <laughs> and okay, why not? <laughs> and she believed that it mattered how many times you were asked to do a thing before you gave in and took sly joy from giving in. She believed in laughing till she cried. Laughing tears were evidence and a stitch in your side was proof, and not caring if your stockings tore was the closing argument of a good time. She believed in dancing with your husband, or if he wouldn't dance, then dancing with your husband's friend, or your friend's husband. <laughs> she believed in dancing, be it rumba, waltz, or foxtrot, and she believed in looking up at the band when the rhythm changed as though the band were making suggestions. You guys was an actual color in the light of her eyes. She had a memory for partners, dance to dance and year to year, who had a firm hand on her low back or a confident release or hair she liked to look at in the lights. She believed in sitting down beside you at your table after dancing and saying, oh my God, I'm not as young as I used to be. She believed that something was going to happen at midnight. Standing in the doorway of our room, she wanted my brother and me to know that she loved us, and that she wished us a very happy new year, even though she couldn't be with us when the new year came, even though we couldn't be awake when the new year came, even though we couldn't see that thing that happened when the new year came, except as a color of light in her eyes. Mm. <laughs> damn, man. That was good. That wasn't depressing at all. Whew. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that touched me. Thank you. Uh, happy Mother's Day to all of you and uh, your mothers and your mother's mothers. And any of you that have cats and dogs. <laughs> we, uh, we celebrated Mother's Day yes, in our house. Uh, our next reader was the winner of Yawp Poem of the Year. Sorry, not Yawp Poem of the Year. Yawper of the Year uh, in 2017. Give it up for Emily Blair. deciding what to read also. Um, but uh, I'm going to read a poem that's one of those ones that grows and shrinks and grows and shrinks and you're like, I'm never going to figure out what this poem should be. You'll be happy to hear the last thing it did was shrink. Um, 
and it's it's actually it's sort of sad it's I, mean, I don't know it's about this cousin of mine who passed away unexpectedly and he actually died on the day that I took my very first poetry class which was really weird um, and we read the Emperor of Ice Cream which I poem that I now detest <laughs> for that reason um, so it, it references that and also Animal House which um, great either I guess um, but I did love my cousin he was great so anyway um, the emperor of mashed potatoes you used to repeat a joke until it wasn't funny anymore and then became funny again like certain movies of my youth I can't flip past death may be dumb death may be forever but so is John Belushi with a mouthful of mashed potatoes saying See if you can guess what I am now. <laughs> now you are a piece of bad news I keep on receiving, a place card that isn't put out at Thanksgiving, the brightly smiling bottom of a pyramid in an old photograph. Much as I loved you, I never could sort your illness from your intelligence, your highs from your lows, your kindness from your misery, and neither could you, though I think one day you would have. But you are stuck forever at that in-between age of 28, when you no longer looked like a boy, but still mooned people with whom you disagreed. <laughs> I'm stuck too. Why wouldn't I be when you keep showing up in my dreams, looking so alive, saying, see if you can guess what I am now. You know, the poem is good when it gets the collective poet murmur <laughs> at the end. Oh, that was so good. You guys know that Wallace Stevens poem? Can anyone recite it from memory? It is a test. You know I like to give them. Now you're going to hate this side of the Let B be finale of seam. The only emperor is the emperor of ice cream. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> Wallace Stevens, everyone. Uh, we're on to the wait list. We have time for three to bring us up to 20 readers. Uh, our first reader is our events assistant who took all your money but was kind about it. Give it up for Helen Hutner. Thank you. This poem is called Girl Lessons. I am a daughter of a man I do not know, of a man I will never know. I am one of many in this way, on a lone boat in the vast water, living every moment waiting to capsize. I'm a daughter who wanted so desperately to be loved that I let people love me as they held their breath. I let people love my body as I exploded within, held together by my skin. Such a temporary thing to let someone love you but only the way they know how not knowing yourself enough to demand the love you need. Heartbreaker, broke my own heart by not learning its rhythm. With every kiss it beat, no, 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 but I didn't listen, me, wayward girl, had to learn the hard way. As the clouds spelled out my name in the sky and the thunder clapped to the beat of my heart, I ignored it. No sign could dissuade me from accepting the same kind of love as my mother did from the man who made me. 
There it is again. Mmm. <laughs> I love that shit. <laughs> Someone should make a recording of that stuff. Should just be. <laughs> should be a new podcast. Just mmm. <laughs> listen to that on my commute to Connecticut. <laughs> that would be a good ringtone. <laughs> oh man. Thank you, Helen. That was beautiful. Uh, our next reader is, is it Mikhail or M- Michal? Michal. Give it up for Michal Neria. <laughs> it's my first time, so. Yeah! Snake to Wu Dash Men. I am naked, Lord, eyes heavy from all the memories I carry, my body supple, bony, soft, hairy, in places too holy to hold. Free from my clothes, I am not cold, breasts white, full moons hanging from the sky. The doorway to this temple is right and left of my thigh. Skinny tongue made of gold dances ecstatically in my mouth. It reaches upwards to the stars. My saliva, my saliva drips, drips, drips down south. Your moans of pleasure heard from behind bars unbind me from this earthly mess of pleasure, teach me to love myself better. Stars shining in the night sky, we're so tiny specks in a galaxy, yet our love so strong defies gravity. We burn light buzz like two fireflies, a love so strong will surely self-terrorize. Burn us with it into total depravity, forgetfulness of who we used to be before we met and tried to outsize the universe. There's a difference between a love that burns and one that saves. A difference so stark it burns a mark on the skin of souls that try to intervene. The number, severity of heartbreaks paves a life more ashen, devoid of spark. Thank you, Mikhail. Beautiful. Uh, that reminds me, uh, another announcement. Mikhail will be reading actually next Monday, along with a lot of our other students and teachers, including myself, uh, for our spring workshop showcase. That'll be back here in this room. Starts at 7 p.m. We're going to have, uh, I think, 22 poets for you. So uh, strap yourselves in. <laughs> it is free. There is that bonus. Uh, but uh, it's my favorite event that we do. All of our teachers and students read together, uh, and it's a great celebration of poetry. Uh, so that is next Monday, May 21st. Our final reader of the night is fantastic. She debuted a couple of months ago, or maybe it was last month. I can't remember. I think it was two months ago. Give it up for Beatrice K. <laughs> Beatrice K. Thank you. Um, so I feel like I'm starting a comedy bit, but I grew up Catholic. Um, and my, I have a little sister who's seven, and she has been walking around asking everyone in our family for a list of our sins so that she could say sorry to God about them. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's what this poem is about. Um, it's about to get real intimate with uh, physical details. Um, yeah, it's called God. 
I looked in the mirror and said not enough, and then I ate three cheeseburgers. I made love to you, but I didn't mean it. I bled on the driver's seat when I thought I had my period. I bled straight through the covers, through the cushions, through the, card flo through the car floor. I almost killed a nurse because she slipped on a puddle of my blood. Blood flowed in drops and clots from between my legs, and I thought, thank God, even though I don't believe in God. One time I farted, a, I, one time I farted in meditation. <laughs> I, sliced my, I sliced my skin open so deep that I saw my veins turn from blue to red upon contact with oxygen. When you sit in the back seat of my mom's van, you're sitting on what's left of my virginity. I looked at the tops of buildings and wondered, could I ever come that close to the sky if I don't believe in God? Once I told God I loved him even though I didn't believe in him. Once I asked God, would you forgive me if I love sucking dick? Once I asked God if he was a woman. There was a time when I believed God wasn't a woman. I made my sister get out of my car because she opened a ketchup packet. I can only believe in God if I can become my own God. I've always wondered if my mom has ever been in love. The first time I fell in love, I couldn't tell my mom because I was in love with a black man. I couldn't tell a black man that I was in love with him because my mom would have scrubbed my face clean against the sidewalk. Once I dropped my roommate's toothbrush in the toilet and I put it back and never told him. <laughs> I used to laugh at poor people. Then when I became poor, I laughed at myself for thinking I could do better. Once a white man paid me $1,700 to eat ice cream off my titties. I left my best friend to die because she made me feel like shit. I laugh when I'm suffering too much. I don't speak unless I'm suffering enough. I ask for permission to suffer because I'm light-skinned. I let my English teacher change my name from Beatriz to Beatriz. I changed my name, I changed my last name so that I would sound more white. When I get on my knees, am I asking God to forgive me? When I get on my knees, do I remember that I am my own fucking God? lot of goddamn moments during that poem fantastic stuff uh thank you feels appropriate to end on that note what a great open mic give a round of applause for all of our readers really amazing uh, <laughs> uh that really turned into a, a great night i was i thought it was like i was like man we're gonna have a bad night i thought natalie was gonna show up i'm being one of the best yops ever, I think. So I'm going to review. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's, maybe that's what you need. Not every teacher's going to show up late. They're like, well, I heard the last one was good. <laughs> okay, I'm going to review the readers. If you want to vote for Poem of the Month, uh, my number, once again, I'll give it to you a couple of times, uh, is 718-374-1953. All you got to do is text me the name of the poet. That's the easiest way. If you give me the title, I might not remember the title of the poem. <laughs> seven, one, eight, three, seven, four, one, nine, five, three. Okay, so uh, our last reader was Beatrice K. Before that was Mikhail Neria. Uh, before that was Helen Hutner, Emily Blair, Arthur Russell, Kelly Ginn McCarter, Timothy Gerber Fleury, Bill Livingston. 
Hassan Karimi, or Karimi, Judy Schneier, Rochelle Voiles, Nikki Ritchie, Janine Serendolo, Samantha Dettilio, Alan Braverman, Julia Knobloch, Creighton Blinn, Phil Eggers, Ellen Ripberg, and all the way back to the beginning, Patrick Johnson. Okay, uh, if you don't remember the name and the person, you might ask them later, <laughs> are you that poet that I like? And uh, text me, 718-374-1953. Please vote once. I will obviously know <laughs> if you voted more than once. But here's, here's what you should not do. Don't tell your friends to vote. That should happen at the Poem of the Year Smackdown last year, and I was very upset, okay? <laughs> don't do that, don't do that thing. I actually got a text like, hey, could you vote, this? text this number? I was like, wow, totally busted. Uh, anyway, vote once. <laughs> uh, yeah, and that's it. So uh, this will be uh, recorded, as a, it is, uh, it's being recorded right now, It'll be published as a podcast usually in two weeks. Uh, it's on iTunes, SoundCloud, you can subscribe to that shit. Brooklyn Poets, a Yop cast is what it's called. Uh, remember that our showcase is next Monday, May 21st. Also on June 8th, I believe it is. Is that a Friday? I think that's a Friday, yes? June 8th, a Friday. Our next reading, the Brooklyn Poets reading series, will be at 100 Bogart in Bushwick. Some of you have been there. Fantastic reading. Candace Williams, a former Brooklyn Poets fellow, also published a chapbook with Natalie Albert's uh, fantastic chapbook series, The Atlas Review chapbook series uh, she is reading along with Chen Chen, who is a, uh, just a mere finalist for the National Book Award last year. You may have heard of that prize. He will be coming here from Rochester and Donna Massini, a New York poetry legend, will be reading uh, her new book, 430 Movie, is out. Uh, it's already out, actually, this month. So don't want to miss that reading. It's also free. We're going to have wine and food for you, so uh, really like bonus and bonus. Thank you for your patience. Thanks for staying. That's June 8th, Friday, in Bushwick, 100 Bogart. All this information is on our website. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being awesome. Good night. There you have it. Brooklyn Poets Yop open mic for May 14th, 2018. Thanks to our professor, Natalie Eilbert, for leading a wonderful workshop on screwing with the sonnet in productive, creative ways, and also featuring, as our reader before the open mic, Natalie, uh, back from Wisconsin and her uh, fellowship at the University of Wisconsin is teaching a new workshop for us this summer called Beyond Limits Reversing Verse Forms in which you, along with her and the other students in the workshop, will be doing some more of the same work that she did in this workshop, taking traditional forms and, uh, quote-unquote, reversing them in creative ways. That workshop starts on June 13th. It's on Wednesday nights in Greenpoint. You can find out more information about it at brokenpoets.org. Congrats to Arthur Russell for winning Poem of the Year for the second time. Uh, this is the first time a poet has won Poem of the... Sorry, not Poem of the Year. Did I say that? Poem of the Month for the second time. Uh, Arthur won Poem of the Month previously. Uh, I believe that was in year 2015. It was. He won Poem of the Year for a poem called The Whales Off Manhattan Beach Breaching in Winter. 
that is now published in the Broken Poets Anthology. Arthur also won Yawper of the Year in 2016, so this is now his third Broken Poets Prize for winning Poem of the Month for his really wonderful poem, New Year's Eve. Arthur has earned free admission to a future Yawp and a spot in our Poem of the Year Smackdown on December 10th. Uh, that is the final yawp of the year. So congrats once again to Arthur. Our next yawp comes your way on June 11th. That's the second Monday of the month as usual. It will be taught by Miller Oberman, who is teaching another new workshop for us this summer called Beautiful Outlaws, uh, which is going to focus on uh, all the crazy fun stuff that the Ulipo group did in Paris. So uh, definitely come out for that. You can find out more info at brokenpoets.org. You can also sign up for the workshop and open mic there. I hope you enjoyed this. I definitely enjoyed this. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to us on iTunes or SoundCloud. You can rate us on iTunes. That would be helpful. Uh, I hope you're enjoying the nicer weather. It's slowly becoming nicer outside. And uh, go Cavs. They've just made the finals for the fourth time in a row. I'm sure they are uh, very likely to be slaughtered by the Warriors. But uh, screw the Warriors and go Cavs because uh, the land is awesome. And uh, hopefully by the next time we talk or I talk and you listen, the Cavs will be world champions once again. And the Warriors will have choked miserably. Thanks for listening. And uh, until next time.